0: What you're about to watch is a segment on the STD podcast with Trevor Fulbright, Jimmy Hacker, and I. In this podcast, we discuss compound lifts at higher RIRs and isolation lifts at lower RIRs, the application of when to use higher relative effort in your training. We also discuss volume auto-regulation, how to stay focused when you have a long set with a lot of reps, and we talk about how much We love Costco, specifically Shimmy and I, really trying to convince Trevor to get his ass in gear and get a membership. But we also provide a lot of practical tips and discuss the things that we like to buy frequently from Costco that help us stay on track on our diets. I hope you find this discussion helpful. If you enjoy the podcast, consider leaving a rating on your listening platform of choice. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you wanna see more podcasts. Thank you for watching. What's up, friends, family, fans only fan (laughs) subscribers we are back with the std podcast Uh, it's been a minute but we are all alive and healthy and ready to discuss some topics and answer some questions how are you guys doing today fantastic shimmy is back in the land of the free yes i'm back i'm back in normal days you know what you should what you should do is take the you know how you can do the zoom backgrounds make it yeah. like uh the uk like uh yeah. like a uh, uh, subway what, what do they call it down there the i tube. need to learn how to do all of that stuff i don't know how oh dude that I, takes like two, i think there's like a background function on zoom there are a bunch of tabs i don't know how to use on here so I, i'm with you there I,
1: yeah i literally like have never like with any of zoom settings yeah <laughs>
0: I'm on it. By the way, I'm I'm on Zoom
2: portal like as we speak, trying to look for something like that.
0: Yeah, you could do the we're background. Be, we
1: do the podcast, and it's just gonna like every few minutes, there's gonna be a new background yeah. popping up. 100%. Yes. <laughs> All right,
0: guys. Well, uh, to keep your retention, we're gonna talk today about a number of things. Uh, Jimmy wanted to talk a little bit about um, was it the need to go to failure in higher rep ranges versus lower rep ranges? Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. You sent it in our chat.
2: Well, so it actually wasn't that at all, host, respectfully. Um, No, it was the necessity of using lighter movements, usually those that are single joint in nature, as compared to actually just using a compound movement, a typically higher fatiguing movement, but just training that movement farther from failure as compared to the typical single joint movement And what the efficacy would that be, that would, that would, that would be. So to put pen to paper, let's say we are training legs. Let's say that we had already squatted high bar, paused, fine, six to 10 rep range. You did that already. Now you have to move on to your second movement. Would you then, if you're already very fatigued, go to leg extensions and do your typical zero to four RIR progression in a mesocycle? fine. Or might you go on to hack squats? Or I don't want to use leg press because squat leg press is like very synonymous. So let's say leg press is stale. That's not in the cards. Let's just not use that. Let's say, would you go to hack squats? Or would you then go to sumo squats? Or something that is typically very fatiguing, but not train that zero to four RAR. Maybe train it at two to five RAR. It's still hard training. It's not death. But it's still very hard. Might that be, uh, dare I say, more effective than using the single joint movement in the higher rep range? I don't have this answer. That's only one example. You can use this for, you know, very many things. But this is something that I am thinking about now. And I don't have the answer. I don't know.
0: So so to clarify, the single joint. So the... The compound further from failure and the single joint closer to failure. Is that what you're saying? Correct.
2: So running yes. the single joint, so running the single joint movement or the easier movement, the leg extension, the machine fly, the hamstring curl, cue whatever you want, listeners. You know what I'm talking about. Cue one of those in the typical you start at four reps from fail, you go to failure or past failure in the span of an accumulation. Versus doing a, let's say, sumo squat with a barbell as a second movement in the 6 to ten, eight to 12, 10 to 15 rep range. But instead of going 0 to 4 RIR because it's so fatiguing with a very high um, RSM in addition to SFR and STR because it takes too long. You might go 4 to 5 reps in reserve and only go to 2 or 3. So it's still hard. Yeah. It's still good training, but you're not going to like the Death Star by any means. So your average
1: RIR over a mesocycle is actually not as it's higher. Correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. I don't have the answer. And I maybe have, some on this. have I this is a good question. I have some thoughts on this.
0: One thing before we get into it, I want to uh, say so. um, Practically speaking, do you both vary RIRs, um, within a microcycle? Like for for example, like sometimes people will use a static RAR. Will you sometimes use um, higher RARS on these isolation lifts or startup? Okay.
2: Absolutely. I've never run a static RAR in my life. One
1: hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's. I don't have a week where it's like, all right, this week everything is three RAR. It might be five RAR to two RAR in that given week, depending on the exercise.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. So continue on with the. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that's that's. Uh, uh, put out so
1: there. I actually I think that this is a good a good question a good uh, kind of thing to ponder and think about. Um, I think that when you when you look at the raw stimulus magnitude of uh, you know we'll we'll use the easy ones hack squat compared to leg extension. When you look at the raw stimulus magnitude of that of what you're going to uh, get out of it. I think that a we'll just say a three RAR hack squat is likely going to be still more stimulative than a zero to one RAR leg extension. Yes. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that one is, you know, it, it, and particularly like that might not be the greatest ones to use because the leg extension, you don't really get stretch under load. Um, but well, with a hack squat, you do so. There's there's one reason, but yeah, you just have such a higher amount of tension that you can you know use with the muscle. Uh, it requires a lot more force from the muscle to do, and so I I don't think that it requires the same RAR to deliver an effective stimulus. Said another way, I do not think that a Three RAR set of hack squats and a zero RAR set of leg extensions are equivalent to each other for quads. Would you agree? I don't know. You don't know. Fair. I, don't know. I, I, I just don't feel, in my personal experience, if I sit and do a leg extension, I do. You know, whatever, say just out of left field, say I'm going to do a whole workout. I'm going to do five sets of hack squats in one workout. I'm going to do five sets of leg extensions in the other workout. The amount of stimulus I'm going to get from that five sets of hack squats at three RAR will be greater than the amount of stimulus my quads get at five sets of zero RAR leg extensions. In my personal experience. I don't think that they can compare, and I don't think you can you can say they're equal. And this is actually why I don't like people like mathematically fixating on volume. For sure. I have to twenty sets. For sure. Twenty sets of what? You know, sure. a, a, a peck fly or a, a cable fly or something. It's just not going to be the same using something not legs because maybe it's a little, I think it's a little bit more even in some instances but I don't think using like a peck fly or something like that is going to be the same stimulus as
0: a camber bar bench for the pecs. Right. So
2: Dylan, do you have some points or should I, should I jump in here?
0: No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of listening to you guys on this topic.
2: Okay, cool. So I have two points that I think where that are practical here. I think number one, the psychological component cannot be understated. To where if I've already done something compound in nature close to failure as a first movement, I'm already quite fatigued. To yeah. then go to a second compound movement that's already hard, even if I'm training farther away from failure, it takes more yeah, than to go hard. do something single joint. It Even though I'm not going to failure and like that does sit better with me. I, I have to do a lot less psychologically to go to failure on leg extensions than I do to go three reps in reserve on a hack squat. That may be just me, but I think it's not. I no, think I that's the case for a lot of people. Yes. So you know, if something destroys you mentally on the first movement, I don't want to say destroys you, but if it really taxes you, then one of the hindrances of of doing this compound move as a second move is psychological, mm-hmm. and um. The second point that I had, I'm blanking right now, and I don't remember, and it's gonna come to me probably in the next thirty seconds. So hopefully you can fill this dead space while I think about it. It's gonna come to me like like randomly.
1: I so I agree with you. (laughs) I just literally blanked while I was talking. Of course you did, Jimmy. Yeah, I I think that you that is a good point that the the fatigue, the systemic fatigue. Of doing that compound exercise can be so great that you the what you have to bring up for another one you might not have it in you yes and okay. if that's,
2: I, I, now i remember also keep going now i
1: remember if that's the case i i think that before you even go and just do a single joint exercise i think you need to put some real thought into do you need to
2: What do you mean by that?
1: If you are so systemically fatigued that you can't put out a good effort on a compound lift, how sure are you that you are not systemically fatigued that you what you think is zero RER is not actually zero RER on an isolation lift?
2: Yeah, it might not be. I mean, obviously the answer is you have to go and you have to try it. I can tell you from personal experience, like I know if I'm doing like hack squats, for example, I'm pretty fried mentally after I'm done. But I know that I can go and do a good job to an easier quad movement. But I know that if I leg pressed after, just from previous experience and notes and performance, um, the leg press is like not, I can do it, but it's just not great. I'd be better off just doing leg extension. So the second thing that I wanted to add was, I actually think from a programming standpoint, this then opens something up that you or I or Dylan or most of us never really think of. And it's if you want to program for a person, for a client, for a friend, you can program typical like hard movement, like squats, then do leg extensions in the typical RIR progression. Or you could consider programming a compound and note like, stay farther away from failure like it's not junk volume to do three to five reps in reserve as a second movement on hack squats it's not just because you're not going to failure and like dying that doesn't mean that it's junk volume right it's junk volume if you get no pump no disruption and you're just kind of moving around or you're doing 20 sets just doing it to do it but this is that's not this so this opens something that i mean i've never programmed this way for somebody and you probably haven't either but i think it is another tool that can be used like Dylan, the whole reason that this came about what this thought process for me was I was training legs the other day and I'm just working back into hard training again after like a very long maintenance phase and uh, just because traveling and I had maintenance, yeah. whatever, nobody cares. And so, um, Smith machine squats are stale for me, so I can't do them. Leg presses are stale for me, so I can't do them. I'm already doing uh, safety bar squats and Smith machine lunges on another session. So on this session, I had hack squats and leg extensions are stale. I'm also not doing them. So then I ran into the issue of what am I doing for a secondary movement? Cause I don't want to do down squat down sets on the hack squat, because then I'm just going to, this is going to get stale too fast. And I want to keep hack squats in for months. And if I start to do down sets, even in the higher rep range, like I'm going to get bored of them too quick. So I had belt squats planned and belt squats have never worked for me. I've mentioned that on this channel before. I tried them again. They still don't work. So then I was like, okay, what movement am I going to put here? So I was like, how about I try sumo squats? Why not? And I did them, but I purposefully did them with the intention of being farther from failure. And I was like, well, this is actually like pretty damn good. Like I feel things, I feel it a lot Mm -hmm. and I don't plan on going to failure and my technique is never going to break ever, but I also don't plan on pushing these super, super hard, just hard enough. And that spurred this whole thing in my mind where I said, Oh, this is, this is an idea. This is something to to think about here.
1: Well, and this is another thing is that if you use a compound Mm -hmm. exercise like that, it's the, you know, the same idea of uh, pre-exhausting where the if your target muscle if you're doing the sumo squats but you're doing them as a secondary for for quads your quads might be near failure
2: yes yes yes
1: even if the movement as a whole doesn't necessarily feel like what you would typically expect it to feel like near failure your quads yes. might be near failure. i yes. do that with lunges yes you know it's like i have legitimately hit failure and not been able to stand up like in a proper quad lunge with 30 pound dumbbells right yeah you know and i've done like lunges fresh with like 225 pounds so you know it's you know 220 pound dumbbells or something whatever I'm, I'm never gonna fail on that but if i'm doing i doing them right after hack squats or what have you yeah it works it's very very effective
0: yes Coming from uh, a person like I, I've I've programmed like this before. Um, like for example, my leg maintenance for the longest time was just leg press and Smith squats. Now, um, I kept a relatively static RER and pushed them near, if not to failure. But what you're saying is that the systemic fatigue incurred from the first exercise would impair your ability to be able to push to failure. Or could you clarify that for me? Uh, I know you so probably number mentioned it number one,
2: Number one, it might impair it. But number two, I'm saying to just obviate the question altogether. So you might be impaired or you might just not want to do it anyway. Like you may psychologically not even want to do it. And what I'm saying is even if you don't want to do it, you don't have to because it could right. still
0: be. That's that's what I'm getting at. It can still be. What was it you said? It'll be good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and in in my mind, it's also like I have such few sets to do here because they're so stimulative that I don't mind um, uh, being able to push because I'm like, okay, like, for example, this is, you know, a a muscle group that's very receptive to training. So I'll do like two sets, two sets in the first, I might even only do three sets in that single session in the first week, right?
2: Can we talk about the efficacy of actually in more general terms not training to failure on very disruptive compound movements in certain instances and that being a good idea what yeah, comes uh, to I, mind I, I, what I'm comes to mind
1: I what i have i have one right off the bat i mean
2: i have several right off the bat but the the, the two that come to mind for me are uh good mornings and deficit deadlifts mm, yeah so so with deficit deadlifts, and this is I, I I posted about this today, not exactly this, but I did mention this with deficit yeah. deadlifts. What is the rub? Right. The rub is like big juice, big squeeze. There's so much fatigue that comes with it. Everyone knows that it's great, but it's so disruptive and it's so hard that mm-hmm. like when you're not a beginner or early stage intermediate, they don't make sense. But If you're not training close, close, close to failure, if you're stopping at two reps in reserve, let's just say, or even three reps in reserve. Yeah, I know we're being surgical here. You don't really know what's two. You don't know what's one. But like essentially you're stopping, let's say, when your bar speed starts to slow down. Sure, you have reps in the tank, but it's still super good, like super good. You know what I mean? And doing them that way, obviously it's super safe. You do save yourself from some fatigue. Are you leaving a little bit of gains on the table with the movement? Yes, but like marginally, so who cares? And you know, you don't really get that big rush of fatigue and death, right? Um, so to me, that's like a super cool way to do it. So instead of taking them zero to four RAR like you used to do when you're beginner intermediate, you don't, you go five to three. Or something like that, um, and I feel like that's a great thing. And also with good mornings, what I found is that I can go to zero RIR, but I actually lose sensation and tension in my hamstrings. Right. Uh, anything below like two RIR, yeah.
0: I don't know what's um, going on. Like I'll, I'll... Yeah. yeah, you're just trying to survive at that point, right? Like,
2: but like you can do it, right? Like you guys can do it. So can yeah. I. And if someone right. watches it and you watch back your video, you're like. Yeah, it looks, it looks good. It looks fine. But you both know that like if you would stop two or three reps before, you'd be like, all right, I don't have nearly as much fatigue. And I actually, this is where my hamstrings stopped feeling it.
1: Yeah, you probably have at least equal stimulus.
2: It's literally easier and you get more out of it. Like it's literally a win.
1: Well, I actually I actually program hip hinges that way. Um, yeah. Myself and for some clients. Some clients, it's not, not the same all the way. Yeah. But I I program that where I don't push them to failure. I don't you know if I'm doing a hip hinge for hamstrings, I don't push it to failure because at a point, yeah, I just stop feeling my hamstrings,
2: lower back and glutes. That
1: yep. that I get from it is just ugh, astronomically high.
0: For me, it's also my concern is that uh, if I go to or to one zero r ER, uh, sometimes um that I will lose the ability to maintain good technique yes because I'm trying so hard the effort especially like on a heavy um the deficit SLDL a heavy good morning the effort it takes to maintain good technique um almost supersedes the effort in the actual target muscle at that Mm -hmm. point like I'm trying so Mm -hmm. hard just to keep my chest up and, and and maintain good technique there um so yeah i think that's that's a a great call
1: yeah
2: Mm -hmm. and the thing that i think so many people miss is like if you do this it makes it so much easier because it's like all right when i'm done i'm done like i don't have to sit down but but, after the set is over and be like dying and super super out of breath it's like dude when your bar speed slows down racket like you're it's cool you don't really nearly accrue as much fatigue you save that for other things
0: uh, oh good. go ahead
1: dylan. no you go ahead dylan I, my points might be a little longer
0: one thing I, I wanted to say for people listening who um you know i, I don't think we have too many like go to failure every step bros listening to this but the point i was going to make is that um you're still man i blink too Jimmy. shit yeah like so annoying <laughs> need some coffee. yeah i know i'm trying to not drink coffee today that's why Um. <laughs> the uh well so so obviously reps away from failure are super stimulative in that low rep range is something you highlighted earlier the point i was gonna make i don't know trevor you go on maybe i'll remember it that's so good
1: that's um good. so, so good. the like jared is really big on this um mm-hmm. is that like you you can say you're pushing to failure but the target muscle fails it's, and you still yeah. do five reps And a lot of people do that. If you are really, really, really strict with your technique, most people for a lot of exercises, I find hip failure much sooner than they realize. And I I don't want to say it's easier because it's still really, really hard. Definitely not easier. It's really hard to maintain technique, but you definitely don't feel as soul crushed. You know, if you're if you're trying to maintain your technique, keeping with the hip hinge thing to where you your failure point is when you can no longer cue everything to maximally use your hamstrings. Even if, yeah, you can, you know, grind out and slightly tweak your technique here and there subconsciously, you don't realize you're doing it and you get three more reps. But how much work are your hamstrings doing at that point? Right. That's just a ton of extra fatigue that's not necessarily benefiting what your goal is from the exercise.
0: Right. And 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 some of the people who are, who are kind of skeptical of that may have never actually taken a set to to actual failure. Right. Yeah. In the target muscle. Because of how difficult that is. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: One thing uh, I'll say is when I was training with them in Vegas, we were doing chess the first morning and um, I I did a set and uh it was very slight but like uh i was talking to jared after and he was like "Oh, is this your last week and i was like no i thought i thought i had more and he's like well like if you look at this slight movement in your chest uh like my chest kind of caved on that last Mm -hmm. rep he's like that's that was that 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 was failure the rep before if you can't maintain that high like high sternum chest towards the, the bar or the dumbbells then that that would be it right um and i have i have this clip it's actually going to be in um one of my youtube videos in the future uh but it was like really like not eye-opening but it was something that was like okay like remember that that is you know imperative that's really important to maintain that
2: good mornings dylan i I didn't catch that. no
0: no this was just with dumbbell presses like i i i would um my chest would come down slightly like it would go in slightly on that last rep It, it went in slightly instead of keeping it up here and he was like, and, and he was telling me after he was like asking me, like, was that, you know, where are you pushing it your last week or whatever.
2: Interesting. I thought you were going to say something like that on a good morning or a stiff leg deadlift where that's like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't usually find that for me with my chest pressing. And I don't think Trevor. I've, does seen it do.
1: happen. I've seen it happen where people kind of like, they bring it down and they kind of do this a little bit and then press. And they're, know, just tired I, and they're tired and they're trying so we definitely
2: yeah. so we definitely just like jumped into the weeds super fast cuz for me I wouldn't that wouldn't bother me like cuz if someone has one like their last final rep where they're so close to failure and they're doing that like to me you're getting a lot of stimulation there even if it, it's not like completely ideal Yeah uh, yeah right
0: uh, and yeah. uh, in, in the last week I think it it makes more sense too. it yeah. was not my last week. That was a thing it was like
1: oh. that it's not your last week and it's like oh if you're going to continue three more weeks you're just doing this where you're you're doing more you're progressing your reps or something but each week they're it, getting it gets progressively and worse and less worse
0: well and i and i hear you i mean, i think we had that discussion with the um the cable roast right and you're you know it, have a little bit of leeway for for some of that and i agree like if it's still stimulative right you're not completely compromising form <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, sure. But we also remember that that was the context of back training. I I don't know about Trevor. I don't hold that for everything. Like, I'll let there be a smidge rep for, like, back training. Mm-hmm. I won't let there be a smidge rep for every body part. No. There are certain body parts where I'm like, I know that I'm going to be done. And, and like, we're leaving it here,
0: right? Like,
2: right. I'm I'm not going to force a rep on a stiff like a deadlift, for example. Right, right. I'm
0: not- Especially those higher risk exercises, too. Where the the well, if you so did a rep,
2: like pretty obvious, right? Like you know when you're going to force a rep on a push down. You know when you're going to force a rep on a preacher curl. Like you know that, right? right the right. rowing, the rowing, and the vertical pulling is like you think you're good, and then you're not sure. So then you help a little bit of the rep. Like it, it's different.
0: Yeah, well, not Shit, to get too how often How do you force a rep on a preacher curl? Huh? How do you force a rep on a preacher curl?
2: No, that's. Oh, you're saying even if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I'm literally trying to picture it and I can't imagine it. What do you do? Like stand so, up from the machine?
2: So if you are forcing your rep on a preacher curl, let's say that your arm is completely locked at the bottom and you're trying to come up, you might round your shoulders forward to then kind of shrug it up like that just to get it through some of the range.
1: Okay. You know, that like that,
2: that might happen, like that, you know.
1: I was same just literally thing, trying to think in my head and I'm like, I don't, how do you do that? Do you just like- The
2: same, the same thing right? with an incline dumbbell curl. If you go and you stretch all the way in the back, you know that like you're not going to get it but if you can if you move your shoulder forward you can do it
0: you know how yeah. to stand up and do a pump set that's right man <laughs> um no I, i've actually done that with vertical pulling this last um mesocycle when i was doing giant sets i i was like i would i would stop the set on the rep where i would do a rep to my chest and then i'd come up and then i'd i knew that next rep i wasn't going to touch and that would be my end rep and it was just like, I was like, that's still a stimulative rep, right? I'm still getting a full stretch uh, and I'm standardizing yeah. it. Like, I know this is where I'm going to stop the set.
1: Jimmy, mm-hmm.
0: so, I mean, sometimes
1: I can't tell if you're frozen or not because you're being abnormally still.
2: <laughs> so I So I'm trying to obviously work on this a lot because if you listen to er- earlier pods, like I'm always talking over you guys. He's nodding like, yeah, you are. So, so I'm very mindful of this. Like I don't want to talk over you guys. And I have a tendency because it's just like I talk a lot. You guys are more stoic than I am. I'm more animated. So um yeah, I'm 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 working on this.
1: I'm proud of you, be
0: Yes. I I am I'm with you there. Sometimes I get really excited about things and then I like talk over people. I I that's something I like try to work on myself as well. hmm You know, you're just really geeked out about a subject and you just like just want to keep.
2: I don't do it in person, but on podcasts I guess I do cuz it's just different.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move on to the next subject? Is there anything else you want to mention on the topic of
2: Um, I mean I can yes. just add in one one thing that's that's not this and you mm-hmm. this will be a very easy timestamp for you and this is exactly in line with what I posted about today. Guys, like I know that we give it a lot of flack, but like dude, fucking deficit deadlifts are so good. There's God damn it, man. There's, I don't care. I'm talking to all my advanced people out here. My people have been training for a long time where all the people have told you like, yeah, deadlifts are so stimulating. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about them. You know, even if you're training them farther away from failure, you get them on a nice deficit with really good technique guys. There's just like, there's like nothing like it to, to really train the, the, the lower back, even the upper back, even the glutes, like, yeah, you could deficit barbell row and like glute kickback and glute drive to like make up for it, but it's not the same. It's just it's not.
1: Fine.
2: I don't know why, but it's just not. There's it's so
1: not the I I actually agree. I uh, I think I'm going to try to add them in this uh this year. Yeah. I, uh, try to add them in, but I uh you know, keep the volume very low.
2: Yeah, 1 to 3 sets for sure.
0: Are you talking Wait, are you talking conventional? Doesn't matter. I don't think
2: it matters. Oh, I thought I thought
0: I've seen um, I thought I've seen you, Trevor, do deficit SLDL. I have. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. Like straight up, straight up deadlift. That's what I meant. Deficit
2: Deficit either. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Or conventional.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, Dylan, you pick whatever you know range of motion you can handle on deficit two inches, two to five inches, probably really control eccentric keeping the bar very quiet at the bottom no clinking no bouncing no rocking at the top you know like uh i don't know six to ten eight to twelve rep range even if you do them honestly man even if it was like one set or even two sets once a week like
1: there's just and honestly i think you can still do them at the end of a workout and get a crap ton out of them
2: i think you would need to do that either farther from failure or in a higher rep range
1: doing them at the end of a workout
2: correct because if you're gonna st- like i don't know about you like i'm not stepping under you know 350 or whatever for like at the end for 10 like i need to know if i'm tired all right i got to do a set of 15 with 250 like i can will myself to do that but you know if i I'm, come to I it,
1: much rather do a set of eight and a set of 15 on the deadlift
2: uh, that's because i'm fucking retarded that's why
1: yeah clearly
0: Cue <laughs> the alex jones joe rogan podcast clip <laughs>
2: I don't get that reference.
0: Like oh, I don't know. You'll, uh, do. you'll, you'll, you'll see it after this, trust me. Yeah. Um so, but that would be for uh glute hypertrophy, right?
2: Glutes, lower nice. back, upper
1: back. So, yes, but also everything else.
0: Right, right. Spinal erectors.
1: Like I would do them, I would your say soul. I yeah, right. You grow your ball sack.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna uh, and I'm gonna add something in here that's so this is the br- <laughs> most broiest thing that I've ever said sure. on this podcast. Um, so just like listeners enjoy it, enjoy the soundbite. Yeah, this uh, out, dude. After th- there's things in there that I don't even know. Like I'm hungrier after I deadlift for like the rest of the day. My abs are more pumped. Like, just correct. Just like what Trevor said. Just like you're just fuller. You just look more jacked i don't know what it
1: is it's all the it's all the growth hormone spiking maybe growth hormone it's
0: spiking i don't yeah. know podcasts shimmy is not evidence-based
2: he's a bro <laughs> yeah I, I i look man i can i can geek out i can no. geek out you know, it's not it's not always fucking ones and zeros and matrix up in here sometimes you could just be like all right this shit is good i don't know why all
0: right all you that go do bicep curls for you to go you go to the club out there, you're doing the wrong exercise. It's deadlifts. Yeah. Deficit deadlifts. Deficit deadlifts. Um, so we had another uh, the, this question that was submitted um to one of the chats. Is pushing to MRV overrated?
1: I was a shimmy uh, and I both have thoughts on this.
2: I, I think Love to hear Trevor and I are going to agree. Uh, I think yes. I think yes, and I think this is along the lines of what we were just kind of talking about. I definitely... But I also think that people aren't as serious about finding their MRV as they used to be. I think that used to be really so much a thing. Like, What's your MRV? What's your MRV? How many sets did you do this week? Well, I did 25. Really? I did 23. Like, there was a little bit of that. It's not so much the case. Yeah, it's not so much the case anymore.
0: Like Uh, a level up. Like, oh, my MRV's higher than yours, bro. Yeah. but, but,
1: But actually...
0: Yeah, yeah, but I'm not joking. That was that. that it was a, it. Was legit a
1: thing. And now, you know, like now I'm I'm over here telling people I'm like, trust me, like having a higher MRV is not good. It just it sure. means you have to work just to get yeah, the same. Sure.
2: Sure. Right. So I do I do think that pushing to MRV is um, overrated. I do think that pushing your volumes exotically high is overrated. Uh, I think there comes there becomes a practical <clears throat> point as well where once you get your volumes to be high enough. Number one, you obviously have to go back to formula and make sure your technique and effort are fantastic. But even if you have done that and your technique is amazing and your technique under effort is really, really good. Once you get your volumes to be really high, and I'll just quantify that as let's say 20 sets or more for a body part, especially when you have multiple body parts like that, programming becomes questionable. You spend way too much time in the gym Then you end up doing double sessions. And I mean, dude, you work at Costco doing double sessions. What are you doing? You know, you you have no reason to be doing that. And I'm not so sure that let's say that your MRV, let's just say, let's say your MRV for something is 22 sets, like balls to the wall. I'm not so sure if you stopped at 18, that those last four sets would really make such a meaningful difference they would make a difference. A meaningful one, I am not so sure. Especially if we're going to say that you started at MEV, right? So the definition, we start at MEV and then go to MRV, and then everything in between is called MAV, maximum adaptable volume, which is still technically great training. For those listening to you, I'm putting up air quotes. So by definition, dude, I'm great training regardless. So... You know, if you want to run a specialization phase and actually take body parts to MEV and give them all she's got, Captain, like in Star Trek, you can. But I think if you don't, I really don't think that it matters because if you don't take all of your body parts to MRV, mind you, you are then still able to fully train all of your body parts. Whereas sometimes when you take something to MRV, you take multiple groups to MRV, You start to miss things, especially in the later weeks. You say, Oh, I'm taking chest to MRV and you're too tired, so you don't train the calves. Or you say, I'm taking chest and back to MRV and you start missing arm, like the the last sets of your arm days or your abs or your calves or traps or whatever, because you're like, I'm tired and like those muscle groups don't matter. Well, you know, from being technical, they kind of do matter if training your whole body is important to you. So I would actually take the trade off of reducing my volume from not mrv to just close so therefore i could train everything else that's my take
1: um so my take is yeah it is probably overrated um particularly for anybody that's not advanced um if you're not advanced i don't think that there's any need or reason to constantly chase your MRV. I also don't think that constantly chasing your MRV ever works out. And why that is, is because what people do is people see a number. They see, you know, uh, you know, whatever back MRV is 20 to 25 sets. And so, of course, because more is better, they always assume, well, my back MRV is 25. And They'll just add sets. And generally, their technique isn't great, their effort isn't great, or they're picking maybe less stimulative exercises. And this goes back to the first thing I was talking about with the uh, leg extension hack squats. You know, if, uh, if in order to get that volume, in order to get that set number at a certain level, if you are picking maybe poor poorly stimulative exercises or low RSM exercises. Yeah, you can probably do it. I could probably do 30 sets of leg extensions. I could definitely do 20 sets of leg extensions. Right. I could probably do them just fine. I rarely go over 10 sets of quads a week because I can't because I'm doing hack squats. I'm doing Smith machine squats. I'm doing barbell squats, I'm doing leg presses, I'm doing much more highly simulative exercises. So I think that this idea of like, I, I think that if you are advanced, knowing your MRV is helpful. But I think the idea of trying to constantly chase and reach your MRV is overrated. I don't think that, I, I think that most people don't need to worry about so much how many sets they're doing. I think it's good to know uh, basically where your starting point is, and then past that, you focus first on your technique and your effort. Assuming those are good, you simply add volume via autoregulation. Do you recover on time? can you benefit from a little bit more stimulus if so maybe you add a set if people do that you know there i don't think many people are going to get over 15 to 20 sets on anything ever
2: it's almost like saying instead of saying is your if i is finding your mrv overrated it's almost like nah man finding your mev is underrated yes funny
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i i I don't know i Well, and uh, so I remember when the MRV stuff first came out, uh, like when uh, RP first coined the term MRV, um, the big chase was like everyone always training at their MRV. And that's where the volume landmarks expanded from is because people are like, oh, MRV is 20 sets a week. Well, I'm going to train everything at 20 sets a week. And yeah, either you end up being a bunch of volume where you break yourself. Um, I think that instead, just knowing like where your starting point is and then just allowing out a regulation to take take hold from there is a lot more beneficial than saying, like, my MRV is 25 sets, so I'm going to start at 10 and I'm going to add two sets every week until I get to 25 because that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't think that makes any sense. I think that that idea is overrated. I I, I think that people doing that just honestly don't know what they're doing.
0: I will say, um, so when I first got into this as a safety, um, so, you know, I was being coached by Jared and I've mentioned this before, but I would have those, I I documented the sets on average that we used and I used those as goalposts and this last mass gaining phase, I've tried to purely auto-regulate, not have set goals, come in MEV and add sets. Like you mentioned, um, can I recover from more? Am I getting enough stimulus here? And I feel way more productive than when I was trying to hit an arbitrary target. Mm-hmm. It's 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 arbitrary. I mean, it, it, it changes. It, it, it changes due to exercise. There's selection.
1: so many things that are going to affect exactly what your MRV is. Your MEV is generally not going to be too different unless you're just picking really poor exercises. But your MRV can change from so many things, right. your nutritional status, your enhancement status absolutely your training age your exercise selection your technique like if you speed where up your you're
2: exercise, at, where you're at in your diet yeah there's how so long how long you've been running the exercise for
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm sure we've all experienced that where we run an exercise for three or four months and we're like i feel like i have to do like twice the amount of work to get something out of this now Oh yeah. that's it's stale and it's time to swap it.
0: That that would be a very complex algorithm to be able to actually determine where you're like maybe we'll have the technology one day but like the actual like being able to be like this is where my MR is going to be due to all these factors it's just so yeah, there's too many moving I, yeah. parts.
1: There's i there's no way I calculate it. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure that the mathematical equation is out there. <laughs> I ain't that smart.
0: Yeah yeah. I'm I'm my and guys. it's also just <laughs> Practically, like applied, that's just too much work. I'd rather just yeah, go in and, right. and train. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Three points. Yes. Grateful to have you guys as friends because um, you you think about these things and to know them very well. We all I'm make each
2: other better. For you, I am grateful for you.
0: Let's uh. see, so we have. A few we'll questions over some we'll probably
1: go for a couple more questions, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. also, uh, Shimmy mentioned Costco. Um, if you work at Costco, uh, it's a great company, so there's that. Costco is actually a pretty good employer. I yeah, would work.
2: So, so, number one, Costco, I own stock in your business, okay? I, yes. I own your stock.
0: Oh, so we got an okay. owner over here.
2: Yeah, I'm an owner, okay? I'm a minority owner, okay? I'm a shareholder. So <laughs>
0: they roll out the red carpet when you walk in. 100% I
2: and uh, I always joke with my friends that if I had to get a job working for like a, a, just a big corporate company and just work my way up, it would usually, it would just be either Costco, Chipotle, or Target. It would just be one of those three because they're usually a, fa- a fantastic place to work and you can grow very quickly. And they're obviously not going anywhere. They're completely recession-proof, virus-proof.
0: They're amazing. Right. You know, have you I'm seen Idiocracy? Right Costco is um, going to be the, have you seen Idiocracy? No. No. Oh, Costco's going to be like the the giant. It's going to be where we get everything. Uh, continue, on. am sorry it, to it, it is all
2: what Do you mean Costco's one of the greatest places on earth?
0: It was like, yeah, yeah, you have to Disney, Disney, Costco.
1: Yes. Dude, I and love He's from someone who lives in Florida, so clearly he knows.
2: I love Costco, okay. I go to Costco for no reason. I just go, we'll go to Costco to get steps.
1: Okay, so i I'm oh, going to get, get yelled at. I don't have a Costco membership.
2: Yeah, of course you don't. You're a fucking oh weird. I go to Sam's Club.
1: Uh, oh no, Sam's Club is awful. I fucking hate Sam's Club. Uh. Um. So I'm actually buying one this weekend, though. Are you yes.
2: A, I, I was gonna say maybe you're a BJ's guy.
1: We don't have BJ's in Oklahoma.
2: <laughs> have you ever been to Costco or no?
1: Yes. Yes. We so we we only got a Costco here a couple of years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough.
1: And I Fair just enough. haven't, but I am getting one this weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you go to Costco, Trevor, you're never. I mean, you're never. No, I love go, it. I love it. I've Costco. been there a few you're times. It's going life. I'm not joking. I've been, been there a few times. Life.
0: It's like the grocery store that I'm like excited to go to every week. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you massing, Trevor, or no? Uh,
1: uh, kind of maintaining. I was dieting, but uh, I have so much shit going on in my life right now. I, okay. I took the diet, stresses away.
2: Okay, cool. So here we go. You're going to go to Costco and you're going to buy the following things. You're going to buy the raspberry crumble cookies in their bakery. Don't you roll your eyes at me, girlfriend? No, Don't that
1: was me. not a roll my eyes. That was that sounds good. It's
2: so it's 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 literally sorcery. That's the first thing. Then, if they have it, you're going to get the braided apple twists from their bakery. Um, you're going to get the rugelach. You are not going to get the muffins because they're overrated. Shim said so. I don't care. Anyone can come out. I love me. the
0: muffins with coffee.
2: Well, that's because you're stupid. What do you want me to tell you?
0: You're wrong. Oh, 700 calories in one muffin? Come on.
2: <laughs> you're going down the floor. going down like a sweet muffin. Um. Okay. So you're getting those two things. You are going to get the Costco brand smoked salmon. Do you eat that or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Kirkland brand smoked salmon, and um, you're going to get the croissants.
0: Okay. You're just that's making it. like a, a weight gain protocol right, right here.
1: Yeah,
2: that's it. That's it. You guys Dude. want to know Shim, that, Shim's guide to massing? That and protein so shakes.
0: So good. I, I, I posted this on my.
1: Snap, maybe 250 by the Arnold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Got to look nice and thick for the uh, for the, uh, the the open bodybuilders. Yes. Um, so so Costco, actually, I posted this on my story earlier, I've, I've been kind of working and I've been getting more busy. So I've been I used to like prepare my foods like my meals like fresh and it was just taking me so much time. And I was just like, okay, what can I buy that's pre prepared? And the Costco options are awesome. Like right. I, I've never bought the they they take the rotisserie chicken. They take the meat, the breast meat, and they package it. Oh, my
2: God. You have no idea what you just unlocked. I really hope you don't think we have good questions coming up because this podcast has officially gone down somewhere else. (laughs) Why?
0: Why? What are you going to say about the breast meat? You got a problem with it?
2: No, no, no. The complete opposite of a problem. What you just said, I will get on this hill. Rotisserie chicken is the most underrated food of life oh, nobody dude. talks about it 1000 it is, percent. It is cheap oh. it tastes amazing it's so easy to cook it's healthy yeah, like bodybuilders it. don't talk about rotisserie chicken health people y'all can go away with your boneless skinless chicken breast rotisserie chicken is life it's fucking life
0: six six dollars for a huge rotisserie chicken at costco yeah, it's life. amazing yes. yes people you don't have time to prepare food buy two to three rotisserie chickens
2: and before any of you annoying people come in and be like, oh, but it's like so fatty. Guess what? Chop it up, remove the skin. Yeah.
0: Hey, well, that's hey, what I'm saying. That. You can buy oh, the they, they, they package the breast meat. They have packages of just the breast meat too. And it tastes great. That's what I've been buying because I'm dieting right now. Oh
1: my god. Costco do rotisserie so chicken. Clutch. And, like and so if you clutch. have a family, I'm, going to, I'm going to set a reminder to buy that Costco membership now.
0: <laughs> Go look at my story. Look at all, like, uh, I mean, I don't know if you eat all of these, but the, the I basically buy everything pre made at this point because it just saves me so much time. I buy the Bibigo rice cups, I buy the rotisserie chicken meat, I buy um, the frozen veggies, I buy frozen fruit, um, I buy the potato, the, the, the dehydrated potatoes, and I rehydrate them with hot water and make hash browns like, never in two that. seconds.
1: i never had that, yeah. Frozen hash browns,
0: never so had clutch. that. A game, frozen yeah. Because you don't gotta Dude. boil the potatoes, or you don't gotta Dylan, like you, cut them are up, you, steam them. Uh,
1: are you like pro
2: anti dairy? Like, will you have the Greek yogurt? No,
0: yeah, absolutely. No, I get That's two types of the Greek yogurt, you. the zero percent Greek yogurt.
2: So you could you get the the Oikos triple zero?
0: They have the triple zero, so, yeah, too.
2: Yeah, those because those are fat free and actually have fiber, which is wild. So they have ten oh, grams yeah. of carbs, ten grams of carbs, fifteen Dude. grams of protein per cup, and like three or four grams of fiber. So maybe- dude
1: legit if i am like busy and out and about i will go and i will buy a couple of tubs of that stuff and some fruit and literally just like eat that through the day
0: yeah yeah
1: it's a great you like if when you're you were sick
0: yeah you did that
1: out. yeah when i was sick that's what i was doing i was eating two tubs of that a day
2: yogurt's the greatest dieting food ever by the okay. way because once you it- eat enough of it you're like i don't want to eat today i'm good
1: yeah no no it, it, you <laughs> for real like it you eat it and you're just like it coach your throat and
0: kind of like oh, you're it's, like it's, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm done no. now no. um the I like I like the the zero percent when I'm dieting because I can control the amount of sweetness that I add to it as well the triple zero I'll use like massing and stuff like that I'll even do the the shots the yogurt shots <laughs> sometimes the chibani ones
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: but yeah though no, uh I heard uh Milo uh on his podcast he said that he, this sounds really interesting. He will take um, Splenda or any sweetener, and then lemon juice, and mix it into his yogurt, his Greek yogurt. And I was like, that sounds really interesting.
1: Here is what I do. If you want, if you want to sweeten your yogurt, sure. Um, Crystal Light packages.
0: Crystal Light, yeah, that's another one. That's great.
2: You could always just put your protein powder. That's the, the, the easy
1: one.
0: Yeah, but you yeah, can't but get... What if you want like lemon flavor, shimmy.
1: Uh, my my
2: favorite flavor, flavor protein. protein? If I'm ever in the depths of the diet, it's uh, it's strawberry strawberry flavored yogurt with the powdered peanut butter on top because then I just get peanut butter and jelly vibes.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's smart. So good. I like it. See, Dylan's enough like, Costco wow. chat. Dylan's you like yeah, and that's cost-
2: really good, man. He's real wise, that guy. I never thought of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually haven't. So uh, thank you.
2: Yes, you're very welcome.
0: Um. OK, so let's just do one more thing that I got asked. Uh, why did I lose it? <laughs> oh my god! Give me one second, guys. Carry on. When you timestamp, it's going to be like Costco rant and why it's great. I, yeah. I will do. I I would do a full podcast about how Costco is great. I, I just some I, I, the membership that.
1: when I get home.
0: Bro, I'm I got here. the yeah. business membership and the credit card. I got my my return every year. I'm, I'm fully bought in. Yeah. I mean, Trevor, I have more
2: suggestions. I mean, you also need to buy the ground bison. That goes without saying.
1: I didn't even know they had bison. Oh, oh my God. So delicious. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, you need to go buy their ground bison. Best, That's probably the best cost you can get for bison, too. 100%.
1: Dude, I love bison. Oh, so uh, in Oklahoma, bison is like a, a big thing. Of
0: course oh, really? It of course yeah, it
1: I mean, Oklahoma. It. It, and so, like, it's a, like, there's a there's a restaurant here that they like all they do bison burgers bison chili Ooh. oh dude, dude it's so good I yeah. love bison bison steaks
2: yeah so Costco bison burgers I burgers but the ground the ground bison at Costco is, is mandatory mandatory
1: I did not even know that they sold that which because I I don't buy it often because the only places uh, aside from I guess Costco is like fucking health food stores
0: yeah it is not cheap. I, no. so so this is what i would do i would take the 88 12 pack because they have really cheap ground beef and i would mix the bison in to still get some of that gamey flavor um but not break the bank because like if i just ate all, i mean you could have just a meal or two of bison but i would extend it out by mixing in some of the ground beef and you still get yeah. the gamey the good the good flavor um that's that's a, a hack that i've done um that's, so the yeah. question that i had was from tan um, and and we, met, we We talked a little bit about this uh, before the podcast, but uh, maintaining focus uh, on rep quality with higher rep counts. So in higher rep range, is being able to to maintain focus and and execute your reps. I think yeah. the two set king should take this one.
2: Yeah. So what I do there is I just break every single rep down into its own. And because I move slowly, this works. If you're the kind of person that you just have a two second eccentric and then come back up, it's nothing wrong with that. It's totally normal. This doesn't work as well. But when you're moving with a lot of control, potentially doing pauses and stuff, if you're treating every single rep as its own, then you can just focus on just one rep after the other. Just bang, 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 bang. And you don't necessarily have to worry about I'm doing 15. You're like, all right, one, breathe. Two, breathe. You're not thinking I have three left. I have four left. You're just thinking I'm going to just do do the best that I can. And my technique is, is no more. No more. I'm done. But I'm yeah. just taking one rep at a time. And I'm being very, very mindful. And I think I've talked about this before. I'm being very mindful. Um, what's the guy's name? Tan. Tan. So Tan, I'm being very mindful to not have um, any excitement in my set to just be very even, not to get too hype, not just to kind of focus on my breathing and to sort of just be, because if I get too hype and too excited, I'm gonna end the set too early Um, because I know it. Like I'm gonna get too excited, then my heart's gonna beat faster, then I'm gonna get out of breath faster, then the set's gonna end faster. Not necessarily because my muscles did, just I emotionally got too excited. And that doesn't even have to be in like a crazy psych up. It just, you know, throughout the set. So that's why you'll see me sometimes, I just use like really chill music, slow music, RB music, whatever. Just so I'm just really focused on everything that I'm doing. And I'm just trying to stay very even. Funnily enough, actually, I have a a post that I never did like months ago that I was actually thinking about doing tomorrow where I post a full set of uh, one of my leg presses like close to failure. The set's two minutes long. And um, just raw, like no, no, no fast cuts, no nothing, just so you can see the set. And just to see what that looks like from rep one to rep 15, like, I really try nothing changes, I don't make sounds, my facial expression doesn't really change. Um, And I'm just really trying to just stay rep to rep. So um, that's the best suggestion that I could tell you, Tan, just try to stay rep to rep.
0: It's funny that you use the word, the term mindful Um, Because I think that is essentially mindfulness practice to what you described, right? Being present, Mm -hmm. be present during, try not to and, and, and lean into the pain. Cause also I think you could also be trying to escape the pain and that's when you're trying to rush the set and get it over with lean into the pain when it gets hard, right? Be there, be present and lean into it.
1: Yeah. I, I purposely have the thought process of when I'm doing a long set and when it is getting hard and painful, is I have the thought process of I want to find the pain. Right. I want I want to find where it hurts and that's where I want to go because I know that my goal is to do this and I know that it's going to hurt to do that. So I, I literally will like think to myself like I, to find the pain when I'm like, just because I did it the other day, like overhead tricep extension. Like really, as I feel that, like that's, that's the pain. That's what I want. Feel it, sit in it for a
0: second and really focus on that. And doing that actually helps me through longer sets. Well, and that's also how you detect partially how you detect, um, RAR in higher rep ranges. It's one of the indicators, right? The shift in the pain or burning sensation of the muscle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's funny. That's that Arnold quote, right? It's like, I don't, I don't (laughs) start, I don't start counting until it starts hurting. Right. Oh, oh there's some truth to that
2: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i'm like shimmy though i do make ugly faces
2: yeah i mean i try not to um yeah. i'll tell you i was doing uh i was doing wrist curls the other day and i was making some faces man i don't know
1: personally have... much huh why do wrist curls hurt so damn much I
2: mean, wrist curls will have you making faces
1: that you didn't even know you could make
0: right it's so bad well what is it it's those it's like uh calves or another one that's like that yes it's just really painful like almost yeah. disproportionately painful for the exercise. It is. yeah is, is Dude, it- i want to cry with this yeah, i think
2: it's painful because it's so local like it's yeah. painful one spot it's like I'm not out of breath. I'm not tired. It's just this one spot. It just it's just like this one thing that I need to do yeah. to make it hurt. Whether it's like this or if a calf, I'm just doing this. And it's like, I could stop, but
0: I won't, but I could. Yeah. yeah. You, could, so you, can, not, tell, you can tell someone's, um, uh, someone's grit by the size of their calves and forearms. Yeah, Maybe partially. Yeah, I've,
2: <laughs> I, I've committed now um, to training forearms in, in perpetuity.
0: I uh, I haven't actually um, trained for him for a while, but calves is something that I really would like to bring up on my physique.
2: Oh, well, we, we talked about that for you.
0: Yeah. I think it worked uh, really, really well. I ran at the last mezzo. Yeah. i will see sure what, uh, what Trevor has in store for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll get you guys out of here. Uh, Trevor, do you have any, uh? since we're on this real quick, is, are there any um uh, 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 plans as far as things you'd like to try in my training cycle?
1: Things oh, that you I just like have, this. I Things I like that you it. have
0: just kind of floating around in your head.
1: Uh, no, not yet, because I haven't been able to sit and fully look through all of your other mesocycles. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I have some yeah. ideas from when we've talked before. Okay. But I, I really want to sit down and like go over it all in depth.
0: Yeah, fair enough. That's a topic for discussion in another podcast. I'm definitely. I'm definitely excited. It'll be fun yes. to uh, look you through some stuff.
2: Dylan, yes, do excited. we want to uh, do we want to let the cat out of the bag about our first our next special guest that we're going to have on
0: or no? Yes, if we can um, um, uh, coordinate it, which I think we can. Uh, I, I yeah, we're going to. So... Was that? Huh? I should be good, by the way. Oh, for that Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah so sweet. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have the goat on next podcast. Uh, Doctor Mike Isotel is going to be joining us. So uh, and... that should be yes. And,
2: guys, we also have a very cool guy, bodybuilder, who doesn't do a lot of press, but we're going to have him on. We had him on, and there were technical difficulties, so we're going to have him on again. Yep. His name is Dylan White. You can follow him on Instagram. It's, I think Dylan M. White on Instagram.
1: Yeah, he's go very, hit him up. Yeah, he's very He's a cool, cool dude, super jacked. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: we're going to have him on as well. They're not going to be on together. They're going to be on separately. But these are the next two people that we're going to have
0: on the pod. we going to have Dylanception or something more creative Bills. than that.
2: Bills. Dylanception? Is that, is that what we're calling it?
0: I don't know. Maybe there's a better term. This is what I thought of. Battle of the Dylans. Battle of the Dylans. Like the great oh, battle
2: man, of No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to call it D&D. Oh! Double D. Double d. d is the do not disturb.
0: d, d. 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 and Dylan and Dylan. I like DD, yes. I like double D because it's slightly more inappropriate, but yeah, I like D, too. <laughs> I mean, this the STD podcast. Come on, we double got D, an appropriate D, name. podcast. So yeah, good. uh, all right. Well, thank you all uh, for watching. Yes, yeah, this was just cut it here. It's gonna get worse downhill yeah. from here, anyway. Thanks for all, yes. thank you all for listening. Uh, click the links below. These guys all offer coaching, I do as well, and uh, you can click our links uh, if you're interested. Thanks for watching. There you guys. Please like, comment and subscribe and if you're interested in coaching service, click the link below to book a consultation and get started. Thanks for watching.